Hey, what's up, world? This your guy, Dr. Malik. Man, it has been a tumultuous few weeks. Um, I am back. I am back. Uh, many of you all did not know, but Dr. Malik came down with good old King COVID. COVID came, jumped on me pretty rough and took down my production team. We all got sick at the same time. So it was roughly 14 days of pure woo. Uh, so we were down, but not out. Down, but not out. I do not wish COVID on my worst enemy. I do not believe it is something to be played with. Um, so when I tell you without a shadow of a doubt, you know, I close out all my shows with mask up. And if no one has told you, Dr. Malik loves you. Hey, I mean that to my core. Man, look, put that mask on because COVID is nothing to play with. I hated every moment of it. And I'm still trying to figure out how a virus attacks your sensory uh, skill, uh, not skills, but your your sensory uh the taste and smell. How, do, how does a virus attack your taste and smell? How does a virus cause you to have chills, but at the same time sweating like you're running a marathon? So I am telling you all, please continue to mask up. I know our politicians and all of these high speed doctors that have something to gain because I don't see any doctor and I think that is the biggest issue with Dr. Fauci now is that Dr. Fauci has nothing to gain. He doesn't. He has nothing to gain. This man has written multiple books that have sold millions of copies worldwide. So he is independently wealthy. He has worked under multiple presidents. This guy could quit doing whatever it is he does every day and just do speaking tours and live out the rest of his life comfortably. So if you're asking, am I a Dr. Fauci fan? I am because I feel like he has nothing to gain. These empty minded politicians that are running around telling everyone that it's OK to live without a mask. Oh, don't send your kids to school with a mask. But COVID is still out here. I thought it was uh, quite amusing that I'm looking at a fifth surge. Who, who does that? Who knows that there is an impending danger and we still sit there and act like it's nothing. We, we I have seen week after week of college football games packing out the stadiums. No masks. People I know traveling to these games, going to these stadiums, no mask and have the audacious audacity to come back to work and take their unmasked selves and sit amongst people, sit amongst meetings. Yeah, because we're back to having in-person meetings now. Sitting amongst meetings, being a carrier. So I am telling you all now that I am back and I feel so much better. Um, I feel like I, now I do have a little uh, some issues with breathing and coughing and congestion, but I just think that's, you know, also part of the weather. So I'm not blaming everything on COVID, but I think a lot of that has to do with the weather and how we respond to different things. But please, sir, please, ma'am, watch your children, your elderly continue to mask up. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today. I am bringing you part two of fatherhood part two of fatherhood. I told you guys it was a two part series. So before I got sick uh, a couple of weeks ago, I left off with 
How difficult in today's society is it to be a black father? That's where we left off. And so I want to take this second phase of this particular discussion into black fatherhood, the fathers of Negro children. Right. I don't care if we're talking about uh, uh, those of a mixed relationship, regardless if you are of the darker hue, if you are born uh, according to the government's measurement, one sixteenth black blood. You are considered Negro in this country. So I want to talk about what does it mean to be a black father? So when we come back with life, according to Malik, we are going to talk about fatherhood and what does it mean to be a black father? Life, according to Malik, MJP Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up, guys? We are back and we are here with our post COVID follow up to the second part of fatherhood. But we're going to focus this particular segment on black fatherhood. And I know you're probably saying, Malik, why are we only focusing on black fathers? Well, one, I only have knowledge of black fathers because I am a black father. Uh, many of you have heard before. I have four children of my own, two adult children, two younger children. I am no longer married, uh, but my children are still my responsibility. I have to reach out to them. I have to 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 uh, support them financially. I have to support them academically by making sure I stay on top of their grades, even if it's just a text from dad saying, hey, how's everything going in school? You know, but there's the emotional side. There's the manhood side of it. So, but the reason I question or I bring to the table today to talk about black fatherhood is because too often 
black men become the source of ire, the source of demonization. When we talk about fatherhood, oh, black men aren't fathers. They, they make babies, but they don't know how to hang around. Uh, they don't support the mother. Uh, there's this idea that black men don't like to financially support their children. There's this idea that black men have no issues with seeding a child, but fear or pretty much uh, run away from being a father. Well, I'm here today to prove to you that that is a misnomer. That's a lie. That's, that's just not true. Black men do raise their children. And I can tell you I am one of them. Black men do raise other men's children. And why? Because I've done so. But it is it is overtly amazing to me. And yes, I use that word overt, overtly amazing to me how this society will demonize black men. But you find more black men raising children that are not their own, but will not give them credit for that but will identify that that minuscule few, that finite few that turn and say, oh, well, he doesn't pay his child support. Well, that may be the cause for some, but it is not the cause for all. How many of us actually know black men who work multiple jobs with the intent to only pay child support. I have seen too often where black men get railroaded by child support because even if he takes a second job or a part-time job or even an under, under the table job, if a woman gets wind of that, she immediately runs to the court system and says, oh, he has more income, I need to tap into that not realizing that that additional income is the source of what he's giving you. Now, don't get me wrong. I got it. I understand that men are out there who don't want to pay child support. But I am also an advocate of 50-50. Uh, I do not believe that men, because I do not see it very often, uh, should have to pay an absorbent amount of child support when many of them are not even given the option of being able to raise their children in the home. So we have to think about that. We have to ask ourselves sometimes, is the system even fair? Is it even established that it is fair for men? Now, here's a funny thing. I was uh, watching a, a, another podcast. It was uh, on YouTube and I won't put that brother out there. I don't know him. I don't know his production company, so I don't want to put that out there what it is. But I was watching this podcast. And if he ever hears this and tells me, hey, it's OK to put me out there, I'm cool with advertising for him. But I was watching his podcast and his podcast was an analytical breakdown of a court case of a woman who had given her children to the father and the father had one child that was uh, 
external to their relationship. And then he had two children from their relationship, from, from the joint relationship. And so the father went on to say, hey, I'm only getting $400 a month in child support. Um, I really need your help. I'm a school teacher. I'm doing the best I can, but $400 is just not enough. And the lady went on to scoff and laugh. And so, and she made fun of him being a teacher and, and, you know, talked about his little teaching job and well, you got your little bachelor's degree. And she went on to kind of pat herself on the back that she had her MBA. And, and so it just kind of went on, went on to the point where it became disgusting. And so then the judge asked a very leading question. The judge asked her, well, how much does she make a year? And she blurted out with all type of audacity and, 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 and she just, you know, I make six figures. I make $150,000 a year. And the judge looked and eyes got big. And, and so from that point, I, I saw the wheels are turning. So she just kind of kept going on, digging this hole a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. And then when she got to six feet where she could bury herself, the judge just kind of stopped her and said, okay, here's the deal. So by law, I can charge you up to this much a month for child support. You need to, I don't know what state this was because the judge came back with a resounding $2,500 a month. And, but at the same time, prior to the judge giving her judgment, she, the, the lady, the mother was, you know, bragging about her Gucci purses and her Louis Vuitton purses and her very expensive shoes and, and how she takes trips and, but she was saying that her job was that she flips houses. And so it was quite comical. You flip houses. Okay, good deal. So, you know, judge, and she was bragging about all the money she makes. But then the minute the judge said, hey, well, you know what? Based on your own admission of making $150,000 a year, then I'm going to hit you with $2,500 a month in child support um, because that's what I can legally do, right? And so then all of a sudden, here comes this mountain of excuses. Well, wait a minute, judge, I, I flip houses. I don't sell a house every month or every week. And the judge said, nope, but you said you make $150,000 a year. So then you're going to have to establish a, a resource plan so that you can meet this $2,500 obligation. Now, that's not what blew me away. What blew me away was one, a woman actually got tagged with child support. That was the equivalent of what most men would have to pay. Right. And anybody who is smarter than the average bear knows that one hundred and fifty thousand dollars is not a whole lot of money. It's, it's, it's really not that that, you know, resounding of an amount of money to argue that, you know, I make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. So what, you know, but. To her, that was a big thing. You know, I make $150,000 a year. I flip houses. And so all I can think is, well, you're going to have to figure out how to gauge that $150,000 a year because a good chunk of it is about to come out. I mean, what does that equate to? Is that about, about $26,500, uh coming out every year? You know, and you're going to have to figure out how to figure, you know, because that's before taxes. You know, you don't pay tax on child support. So it is just, it, it is astounding. It is astounding that even after all that, the lady found a problem with being 
taxed, and I'll say it like that, being taxed for the care of her children, even after making herself out to be the better of the two parents because of the money she made. Could you understand, and I wish everyone could have seen it from my perspective, how that makes it difficult for that black man to be a father when he is going out, working every day, doing what teachers do, because we all know teachers work long hours and don't get compensated properly, but that's a whole nother life according to Malik. But, you know, don't get compensated properly, ask to work overtime and not be paid for it because it's definitely not in their contract. But then to have to go to the court, become submissive to the judge and ask for additional financial assistance to raise children from a very audacious individual who feels like they have no obligation. And then, oh, by the way, it's the mother. See, too often we attack these men, we attack men in general for not doing what we just found out that women are doing the same. When we come back with Life According to Malik, let's talk about that. Let's talk about in depth how the perspective of men versus women who raise children, because there are, there are quite a few single fathers out there. So let's take a look at that and question that. Why is it that a single father can be praised for being a single father, but is not supported by the same systems that will destroy a man and think nothing of it. So Life According to Malik, MJP Radio, WDRB Communications, the voice of the community. We'll be right back. Back when I was a child Before life removed all the My father would lift me high And dance with my mother and me And then spin me around till I fell asleep Then up the stairs he would carry me And I knew for sure I was loved If I could get Another chance, another walk, another dance with him. I'd play a song that would never, ever end. How I'd love, love, love to dance with my father again. So welcome back to Life According to Malik on MJP Radio. We are back. We are back. And today we are talking about black fatherhood. We are talking about black fatherhood. And it is amazing. It is amazing. Amazing how black men are demonized, even when attempting to be fathers, even when attempting to be fathers. It is amazing how black men are even demonized through praise. Let's think about that. I was told one day, oh, you are great with your sons. We see the pictures on Facebook. Oh, we, we uh, uh, you are awesome when you're with your sons. And I'm just sitting here, you know, kind of contemplating. Why is that a good thing? 
Like why why is that why is that a a a something that should be revered? I'm a father. I have an obligation to my children. And it doesn't become absolved because the mother and I decided to divorce and we live on a polar opposite ends of the country. I have a greater responsibility because of that. But even though I thank everyone for 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 their prayers, I thank everyone for their praise. Um, I love it. I, I appreciate it. I suck it up like everybody else. But when do we make the norm a father being a father? So I'm sitting here and I'm looking at, uh, uh, but I guess this is called Statista, S-T-A-T-I-S-T-A, Statista. And it is saying that in 2020, that in 2020, the number of black families with a single father in the U.S., is 1,230, 1,230. Now, I'm not going to attest that that number is right, okay? So it says here in 2020, there were about 1.23 million uh, families with single fathers living in the United States. This is an increase from 1990 when there were only 472,000 black families. So what has created three times the number of black men becoming single fathers. Because now, let's keep in mind, we love to attack black men who are fathers that we suppose or we imply that they don't take care of their children. We love that part. But what what I'm seeing here is that 1.23 million black families are headed by single black fathers. So I have to ask, what created that dynamic? Well, first of all, if we want to point fingers, it's women. It's women. If the father has the child or children, the the father didn't abandon the mother. The mother abandoned that family. Now, let's also keep in right keep in mind that there is a a, a high uh, mortality rate or immortality rate or whatever you want, however you want to look at it, a uh, high number of deaths in black women in birth in childbirth. I think that's completely ridiculous. That's a whole nother life, according to Malik. But I believe that the same ire that black men draw for trying to be who they are and sustain a life, because I think a lot of times we miss that black men attempt to be fathers while still having a family within their own four walls. But there is this constant barrage of attacks from society, the court system, and the other woman of his other children to demand more and not even take into account that you're demanding more from one person who has a lot. Now, I got it. Some of you all will come back and email me or get on Facebook and say, oh, Malik, you're wrong because who cares if he makes a family with another woman? Those other children deserve equal. You're right. They do deserve equal. But you know what I also say? There's another person in that equation to ensure that they get equal. See, it is very easy for us to discount men while demanding 
that a woman get a pass. I don't care, black, white, whatever. There, It is very easy to attack me and to say, oh, he has to do this. He has to do that. He's gotta, 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 gotta. But no one stood that strong if that man asked for his children at the onset and was denied and then turn around and allow the woman to come after the man and then be able to dictate time. Because if the children are in school, that man can't be there. I take my own case in point. I live on polar opposite sides of the country from my children, so I get to only see them on vacation time. But if mom says, hey, nope, I'm taking them on vacation. I'm taking them on here. I'm going to do this. I want to spend this time. I don't get that time. I just don't. And we have to keep that in mind, that every aspect of a man trying to be a good father is still being dictated by the mother. And we have to keep that in mind. We have to say, if you are definitely trying to be a good father, to what extent are you trying to be a good father and how much of that is being hindered by the mother? So when we come back with Life According to Malik, we're going to wrap this segment up. And it may even require a third conversation. And I might even bring some other people in on this conversation. Um, but, yep, let's wrap this one up when we come back with Life According to Malik. MJP Radio, WDRB, the voice of the community. We'll be right back. tears with my baby sister. Over the years, we was poor another little kids. And even though we had different daddies, the same drama when things went wrong, we blamed mama. I reminisce on the stress I caused, it was hell, hugging on my mama from a jail cell. And who thinking elementary, hey, I see the penitentiary one day, running from the police, that's right. Mama catch me, put a whoop into my backside. And even as a crack fiend, mama, you always was a black queen, mama. I finally understand for a woman it ain't easy trying to raise a man. You always was committed, a poor single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did it, there's no way I can pay you back. But the plan is to show you that I understand. You all appreciate it. Tell us it was fair No love for my daddy Cause the coward wasn't there He passed away and I didn't cry Cause my anger wouldn't let me feel for a stranger They say I'm wrong and I'm heartless But all along I was looking for a father He was gone I hung around with the thugs And even though they sold drugs They showed a young brother love I moved out started really hanging I needed money of my own so I started slanging I ain't guilty cause even though I sell rocks It feels good putting money in your mailbox I love paying rent when the rent's due I hope you got the diamond necklace that I sent to you Cause when I was low you was there for me You never left me alone because you cared for me And I can see you coming home after work late You're in the kitchen trying to fix us a hot plate just working with the scraps she was given And mama made miracles every Thanksgiving But now the road got rough, you're alone You're trying to raise two bad kids on your own And there's no way I can pay you back But my plan is to show you that I understand You all appreciate it Don't you know we love 
I might even have to bring some people in. And so I might have to even negotiate with Miss Nikki to get the whole hour. We'll see how that plays out. But I just wanted to get this part about fatherhood out because I know that the men of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated are starting an initiative on fatherhood. Uh, and I also understand that there are a lot of black men out there, a lot of men, you know, even though I focused on black men this week, there are a lot of men who are pushing, trying to be the best they can be for their children. It's not a competition. It's not a rat race. They just want to be the best they can be for their children. They want to be a father for their children. But for whatever reason, they're being denied by the court system, the mother, uh, families that overreach. Um, and I say that in the form of grandparents and otherwise. But we need to think about that. We need to think about that. Why is it so difficult for black fathers to be fathers? And we really need to think about that. So, hey, don't forget, don't forget April 1st through the second, there will be an Midwest HBCU college fair in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Get on over there, visit with those HBCUs. We are going to have other schools than HBCUs. Now, don't get wrapped around the axle. This is a uh, post-secondary introductory event, okay? So we're going to have trade schools. We're going to have jobs there. There will be a job fair on the 1st. Um, so this is not just about the HBCU, but I need you to get your kids out there, get the parents out there. Maybe somebody needs to change their life by changing their situation and want to move south and, and attend some of the HBCUs in the south and in the Midwest to better their lives or even find a job to change their whole life perspective. So you know, this is life according to Malik. Dr. Malik is on his way out. And again, like I started mask up children included mask up king COVID is for real for real mask up dr malik loves you if nobody else tells you god bless and i'll see you next week 
Hey, what's up, Midwest? This is Dr. Malik hitting you up, just telling you all April 1st through the 2nd will be our Midwest HBCU Extravaganza Weekend. Get your students, get your parents, your non-traditional students, your transfers. Get them ready to come and meet with some of the most high-speed and energetic college recruiters coming from the south up to the north to get our young people to our HBCUs. We'll see you soon.